You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 159 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? What's happening in Gina world? I'm great, Val, but I have to start I have to start the podcast with an I was wrong. Really? Yeah. You so, wrong? Yeah. Yeah, My God. I was. No. Yeah. So last week, episode 158, I uh, poked some fun at uh, a photo. Uh, we had some fun with it. But, you know, as it turns out, that image was uh, taken by uh, an artist by the name of Awol Irizku, and he is a fine artist. And whilst I still don't particularly like the the image that I poked fun at. I think it was uh, very uncool of me to do that. Uh, this podcast is about celebrating artists and uh, not not cutting them down, certainly not poking fun at that. So to anyone who took offence by what I said last week, I, I sincerely apologise. Oh, well, okay. That's... That's great. I acknowledge your apology. Yeah, <laughs> All right, you. shall we shall we move on then to yeah. episode 159? Now, yeah. this snapshot. is a snapshot, which is like our little mini-sodes that we drop in between our regular programming because we've had the feedback from people that um, you can't wait a week till the next one, <laughs> which is very exciting and very flattering. Uh, but that's why we've in- included the snapshots. And here we have like bite-sized tips or we answer listener questions or we talk about topics that have been inspired by some of the questions that we get in the podcast community. Which brings me to, you should join the podcast community on Facebook. It's free to join. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and request to join and be great to have you in there. It's a great place to connect with other people who are interested in photography. So, This snapshot is about how to get accurate colours in photos. Mm. Now, this can be particularly important, especially if you're doing product photography or any kind of photography where the colours really do need to be true to life, like, for example, photography of art. Yes. Uh, So what I'm experiencing at the moment. So... um, It's not so much if you're doing photography where you, you know, it's completely fine to use lots of different filters and and tints and that sort of thing because, in fact, that's part of the artistic expression of that particular photo. But sometimes we do need really good true-to-life examples, true-to-life pictures of Mm. certain products or people or landscapes or things or whatever. So I believe that this uh, question or this topic was actually inspired by Ellen who uh, posted this question on Facebook and she has said, 
pile. Does anyone have any suggestions for photographing pink hair? That's very, very common these days, pink hair, isn't it? Yeah, very, yeah, I yeah, see yeah. it and everywhere. Very hard to maintain, Val, mm. that oh, colour. Oh, yes, it's, yes. It's a lot of work. Yes. So uh, Alan says, I did a shoot for a hairdresser friend and the pink hair kept coming out red. Not sure if we'll get another chance to shoot, but would love to know if anyone has any insights for the future. And she, Ellen has included a couple of shots and we put them in the show notes, which you can find at ginamilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. Um, and uh, she said the first is outside, uh, sunny white balance, and I think I had my colour on vivid, wondering if this may have been the issue. And there the hair does look red. And the second was indoors with a bright white light and incandescent white balance, which the hairdresser said was a truer colour. And it, so it does look sort of a pinky purple in the mm. – um, inside shot. Uh, I changed the white balance so much and used the reflector. Didn't think to change my color setting on the day. Unfortunately, it was so disappointed as the outdoor images looked gorgeous. Mm. Right. Well, you know, pink hair is a thing these days, pink, purple, especially, um, a little bit of green. So I think it would be really useful because chances of you, uh, encountering someone with pink hair seems to be very high these days. Where do we start on this one? Yeah, so it's not just obviously shooting people with pink hair, but if you're going to be photographing products, there are a lot of people who uh, sell products online and particularly if you're selling, you know, coloured products, you want the uh, colours to look as true to real life as they are. People are thinking they're buying a, a purple jumper when it's actually, you know, bright red. So it, it, yeah. it is quite important and not, not just for pink hair. So the first well, place to I st- bought, I bought pink um, tea towels. You're going to get pink hair? I thought you were going to tell me, Val. No, 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 I'm no, like, no. oh, pink. I can't deal like with this new artist. It's, <laughs> it's no, no, the no. next logical step, though. It's I'm the next logical step. No, no, mm-hmm. pink tea towels from Woolworths, mm-hmm. which is our supermarket, and they came and they were green. Okay. I don't think it was oh, the photography. <laughs> I doubt it. That was just like the wrong price. So did you mm. call them up and like no. when I ordered pizza with you and they forgot the garlic bread and you made them no. drive all the way back? No. The pink ones? I really no. love garlic bread. I don't even eat pizza, so all I wanted was the garlic bread. Oh, anyway, I know, sorry, but the go poor on. guy had to drive all the way back, Val. I've never forgotten that. That's when I thought, <laughs> oh, this chick shouldn't be messed with. <laughs> I really, that was all I was going to have for dinner. But anyway, just the gut. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. That's, that's, let's go on. Please continue, so, Gina. All right. So, Ellen, I think uh, one, the, the most uh, important thing if you want to continue to uh, do these kinds of shoots and get more accurate color, the most important starting point is to shoot raw rather than JPEG. When you only shoot in JPEG, basically what you're doing is the camera is processing the files for you and it it is close to impossible to get a correct color when you shoot in JPEG because what Mm. happens is the, the camera processes the file so it's like a little Lightroom or Photoshop inside the camera but it'll take the raw file and it'll adjust the white balance it'll 
put a color space into it. It'll sharpen it. It'll compress it, and it will uh, change the 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 look of the saturation of the image or the contrast and spit out a JPEG file. So to go back once you've got the, all those colors pretty much baked in uh, to your shot, it's very difficult to go back and then adjust colors. So as a starting point, shoot raw. If, um, you know, a lot of photographers when they're starting out look at um, uh, post-processing uh, software like Lightroom or, you know, whatever else is available and it's overwhelming, Val. And, yes, mm. it can be to start with. So, like, this is what I say. Even if you're not ready to start working with post-processing software, just do this one thing. Change your camera setting to shoot raw and yep full-size JPEG. When you import those images, take the raw files and store them in the same folder with the JPEGs in their own little folder and just name it raw files and keep them there. There will be a time in six months, 12 months, two years down the track when you're ready to, sh to start processing those files that you'll be able to retrieve them and do all these amazing things. But if you've only got the JPEGs, you'll be really kicking yourself. It's like the equivalent of when we shot in film, not throwing away the negatives, mm, basically. Yes. Just working on the prints. You want the raw files. So that's uh, the, the first step. The next step for you is for, for best results, you want to be working with a single uh, light source that's as neutral as possible. So uh, in an ideal world, daylight, and which you notice that's like when you were outside and uh, it looks like that the, the hair shot was taken in open shade, it was a nice pure source of light you got a good image. So like try and uh, use say filtered daylight or, or, or something similar. That's going to, that's a nice neutral light source. Once you start uh, introducing other light sources, that's going to create a color cast in your images. So uh, Val, what you might find is when you're like, have you completed a, a painting lately? Yes. And tried to photograph it? Yes. And how did you go getting the colours right? Well, um, some of them I think were quite accurate and there yep. were some, well, one in particular that I'd try as I might, yep. it didn't look like the real thing. Right. So often what happens is if you're inside, you might have uh, daylight that's streaming through the window, but there might also be um, fluoro light streaming in from the kitchen light that's over the stovetop or there might be a you know a lamp on in another room that or there might be um light that's bouncing off a green wall that might be where the you know the item is that's causing a color cast over the item so all these things are going to influence the actual look of the color representation of the product so the mm. best thing you want to do is try and work in say an all-white room <laughs> with daylight right next if you can't do that, try and use flash, but try and use a flash from all the same uh, brand of flash because you'll find that uh, different bland brands of flash, just like different brands of light, are going to have different 
types of globes in them, which are going to create a different um, color cast over your images. The other thing, the older a flash gets, the uh, it'll start to change color as well. And flash modifiers like uh, umbrellas, soft boxes, and things like that, the thing that you put over the flash to soften or diffuse the light, as they get older, what happens is they, like old white sheets, you know how they go yellow? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, the same Mm -hmm. thing happens to like soft boxes and umbrellas. They go yellow, which can be nice. It's like I had a soft box for like... 20 years until it fell apart and it was like yellow it should have been pure white it was actually yellow it put out a really nice warm light that I really liked like the temperature of the light and when I got a new one to replace it I wasn't happy I'm like I don't like the light now it's too cold looking so that'll have an influence so you need to look into uh, all of those and the cheaper the light as a general rule uh, the more likely it is to have a um, a color cast that's not fantastic yeah right right. okay Mm -hmm. cool so the next way to get an accurate uh color representation in your images and this is important um it's going to involve post-production it's kind of it's very difficult to get a camera take a shot spit it out of the camera and not do anything to it and expect to get a neutral colour balance. So this is a necessary step. So there's a couple of things. The uh, quickest way to do it is to uh, use a grey card, which is a piece of cardboard or plastic that is uh, coloured mid-grey, that what you do is you hold that in front of your whatever it is you're photographing. So it's either your pink hair or your painting veil or a portrait Mm. in Mm. the light that you're going to shoot it in. So before you take your first shot, you take a shot of you ask the person you're photographing to hold this grey card or you put the grey card in front of your pink hair or in front of your Mm -hmm. painting, take Mm -hmm. a shot, all right? Mm -hmm. Take it away and then do the shoot as continued. Then when you open up this image in, uh, say, Lightroom or whatever post-production software you use, you open up the image that's got the grey card in it and you go and you use uh, your white balance adjustment. There will be something called a colour picker and basically what you do is you drag that colour picker onto that grey point And what you're doing is you're telling your software this is the neutral point, this is mid-grey, and it'll organise all the colours around that and it'll remove the shift like magic, Val. That's as technical as I'm going to get explaining that, but it's basically telling it like this is what the grey should look like Yes, and it'll shift all the colours and get rid. So, Val, for you, uh, this is what you need for your paintings. Yes, so um, so basically, fix it in Lightroom, and you pick the white balance. Yes, and yeah, I get it. 
Right. Fantastic. Now, Jim has also included some uh, great explanatory images in the show notes. You don't need to look at them, but if you want to, there's a picture of the grey card that's used in a shot um, and also some links to where you can buy some of those grey cards, uh, the the fancy version and the cheapo version. I'll be probably getting the cheapo version. Start out Um, with see if it makes a difference to your painting, Belle, because I think you just had uh, um, data. Daylight flooding in through the opposite window. So you, mm. you had like you the window at your back, you had your painting in front that like of the, that window. So it was getting lit by flat light from the window, mm. okay, mm. filtered light. Uh, and uh, then you had your grey card somewhere in the painting, took your photo, did your click balance. It mm. should give you a far more accurate represent and you're obviously shooting in raw to Val and mm. uh, yeah should give you a good representation of that image great so is your suggestion basically for um, Ellen to bring it into Lightroom or Photoshop and yes and maybe she didn't do the gray card thing so if she didn't no, no. and she also just didn't adjust. And she didn't shoot in RAW, she shot in JPEG. Uh, so she okay. was going to be up against it from the start because it was like whatever custom um, preferences the camera was set to are going to affect the colours. Now, you can go along forever and shoot and not even realise this and not even notice colour shifts in your photos and not even notice that your photos are out of whack when it comes to white balance. And it's only when you have to shoot something that it is in important that the colors are right that you'll go uh oh my oranges mm. look red my pinks look you know red <laughs> like the, and, and uh, the walls should be white they're yellow so when you've got like a, particularly a say you're shooting your first bride and she looks at her dress and she's like why is my dress white why does my dress look yellow or it could look blue or you know so the other thing you sh- that uh, Ellen can do with the image that she shot already so mm. that, that if she wants to improve and get a good pink is mm. uh open the image up in Lightroom and uh, use the adjustment brush uh, to uh, mask out the area of the hair and then you can use the uh, colour picker to change the colour and turn it more into a pink. So there's examples in the show notes where I've actually changed the hair colour that she had from a sort of a, uh, it was like a mousy, it didn't it didn't really look red at all, to back to a pink. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so there, Ellen could salvage them potentially. She could, yes, she could definitely salvage them, um, but it, it's also... Uh, good to try and get them uh, get all that in camera yeah right okay and so very very important uh, the lesson from all of this is definitely make sure you're shooting raw because you literally got nothing to lose and you may well need to use them if you want to somehow manipulate the image you'll have way more flexibility with raw so just shoot in raw anyway Mm. because it doesn't make any difference um i mean it it doesn't make any difference to the way you shoot or even uh or or anything It, it just gives you that added extra advantage all right so do we have i think we have a second question here as well is that right uh have we got time for a second question (laughs) 
Oh, well, let's do our second question because it is sort of related. And the question is, should you give away your raw files? So Russell has said, hi, uh, I'm starting to get a few requests to send photos unretouched and unedited. Not sure if this is a trend emerging. Until about four months ago, I'd never been asked for this. In the last month, I've had three requests so far. I don't usually do much in the way of retouching anyway, and usually I back myself to get things right in camera, and I'm more than happy for people to see what comes out of the camera. But also, but usually I also like to get rid of pimples, bags, under eyes, etc., as well as adjust shadows, contrast, etc., a little. I'm a bit worried that people aren't going to like their spotty skin and dark circles under their eyes. Sometimes makeup only does so much. And so Russell is asking for other opinions um, Mm. about whether to send unretouched or not. He's saying, on one hand, I think if that's what they've asked for, then fair enough and saves me heaps of time. But on the other hand, a little retouching in moderation can always make an image a bit better. Thoughts? I'm interested in your thoughts on this, Gina. What what do you reckon? So before uh, digital photography, what we as photographers would do would do a shoot and we would give the client a print and Mm. the photographer would hold on to the negatives because that was our master set. Mm. The print that we gave to the client was uh, printed in a way that suited our style. So I would, if I would print in black and white, I used to use, uh, I used to like my images to look at a certain uh, color. I would add tones into the black and white. There was a while there where I liked blue and black, but it was an extension of my style, Val. I'd use yeah. burnt, burning and dodging techniques uh, yeah. to to make the, the print look amazing. With the introduction of digital, Basically, uh, what that means is the raw files that we shoot with, they are the negative, right? Mm -hmm. The files, the JPEG files that we give to the client are like the print. So you will take, the photographer takes the raw file, brings it into Uh, It's post-production software, something like Lightroom or Photoshop. You might adjust the – and there are – you know, once you've got a raw file, there are 50 million ways that you can process that file. There's all sorts of things you can do. You can increase the contrast. You can reduce the contrast. You can make it blue and black. You can make it, you know, sepia. You can – retouch the skin tone. You can leave the skin tone. You can give it edge. You can make it – soft and pastel okay Mm -hmm. how the file is processed is i believe an extension of the photographer's style and the actual raw file should remain i believe with the photographer and i believe this because uh it's the equivalent of like in the old days giving away your negatives but like imagine val you're telling us about your favourite clothes designer that like live that, that nearby the shop that you would always love to go yes. into, right? And yes. you spent mm-hmm. a small fortune there, I know, yes. right? Yes, because you love mm. the stuff so much. Yes. So imagine if you walked into that dress shop and you're like, "Oh my god, 
this dress. I love it so much. <laughs> Sorry, I'm making you sound Because I would talk like, like that. Well, you know when you're buying fashion, something <laughs> of a comes in and you go, oh, my God, I love this so much now that okay. I'm buying this. So, and you said to the uh, designer, because a designer works in the store, the actual designer, mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't want to buy the actual dresses. What I want is your pattern. <laughs> for the dresses so that mm-hmm. I can then make my own from that pattern. Mm-hmm. What do you think the uh, dress designer would say to you well, in a polite they, way? Can he huh? say no? No. The mm-hmm. other side of that, uh, Val, is often I think a lot of clients mistakenly might think, oh, okay, so the photographer said there's this extra charge for the the digital files that they've included in their contract here. And uh, obviously that is to cover the extra time it takes for them to take that raw file and process it. So what if I try and save a bit of money here by asking the photographer, not to process the file. I'll just take the raw file and process it myself. So this is pretty much like, say, Val, I wanted a table made. Mm-hmm. So I go and I find a, a carpenter and I say, okay, I want you to build me a table, but I also want you to give me a substantial discount because I don't want you to sand or varnish it. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. want you to do the, you know, put the legs on, Mm-hmm. make it a bit round on the corners and uh, that's it. Glue, it, glue it all together and screw it in. That's it. Yeah. I'll take it home and sand and varnish it myself. So I should get, oh, I reckon, for that 50% off. Hmm. Okay. It's, uh-huh. And what do you think the carpenter would say? Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> yeah. So... As photographer, and like I could innocently ask this of a carpenter and and then his job is to educate me about, you know, what that's – so the extra charge for sanding and varnishing, yes, it's my time, but like what you're actually paying for is my design. It's the fact that I have this unique system, the way I join the wood together, put the legs on, the way the table sits in a room and is all uniquely my design. So I can't give you the raw file for you to go and make it your own because then it's no longer mine, it becomes yours. So as an artist, I have to hang on to my dressmaking pattern, to the 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 way I make the table and to the raw files that I use to create your images. So a long answer to your question is (laughs) no. And like it, and it is our job to, to constantly be educating our clients as to what they are getting. No, when I'm saying that uh, the eight by 10 is $450, I'm not saying that you're paying $450 for the paper and the ink that, that is used to print it with. That's not what you're paying for. You're paying for um, my ideas, my concepts, and everything else that goes into creating that image. You're paying for the idea, not the materials. Sure, but I would actually say that before you say no, I think a better question to start with is 
why. Ask them why they would yeah. like the raw image because there could be a whole host of reasons which could yeah. be useful for you to know. Yeah. So one of the reasons I might ask, for example, for the raw files is if I felt that there was too much Photoshopping going on mm-hmm. and I wanted to pull it back. So I've mm-hmm. there's a friend of mine, she got her shots done by someone recently and I've basically advised her that she should get the raw files because they went to town on the on the photoshopping and it really mm. doesn't even look like her. Mm. So I'm not suggesting this is necessarily the case with you, Russell. I'm just illustrating the fact that if you ask why, you might find out some interesting reason and you might be able to then, um, you know, adjust whatever it is that you're, you're providing them to um, – uh, in to 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 deliver what they actually want, and then they might not need the raw files. So, one is why. Um, the other thing that I do agree with Gina is that it's your you know raw materials in a sense. It's mm. your pat- pattern or dress or whatever. But in certain instances where that's happened to me as a writer not as a photographer, um, and they want to significantly change the way I've written something or the, the, the way it's presented, they had no problem with the quality of the writing but just mm. the, yeah, the way it's presented. And I've actually said, okay, that's fine but it will actually cost you more and you can't attach my name to it. Oh, so interesting. If, yeah. if that suits you, and it may not suit you, but I've been because I've done the work anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I've uh, and it, uh, if that suits you, you might be a, if you might be able to say something like that. Yeah, that's no problem. But if you use it in that way, it'll cost you X, and it would that was actually more than the mm. price. And um, yeah, just 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 use it, and don't worry about putting my name on it. And and I'm fine with that because I was happy to, you know, it, my name wasn't going to be associated with it anyway. Uh, the the good point, Val. The the final thing that I, I would say on that is that um, the on educating the client, the the one that says, "Oh no, look, I like the raw file straight out of camera. That's good enough for me." Um, it's also telling them that, like, you know, as a, a model, you would never turn up to a casting with bed hair and, and wrinkled clothes unless that was happened to be in vogue at the time. <laughs> but you would go to the trouble of ironing your clothes and doing your hair and grooming yourself to look as good as possible, even though you may look amazing straight out of bed right? But you take the time to take those few extra steps, those little one percenters, and it makes all the difference. So, you know, as a photographer, I think it's important that you don't give your files away straight out of camera and you spend some time grooming them and uh, polishing them a little bit uh, to send out the best possible version of your photography uh, that you can. And mm. uh, I the, the time that I will give away uh, raw files uh, is when I'm working with um, advertising agencies that are using 
uh, retouches and editors, they, they need the raw files, but that's all built into the contract and that's perfectly fine because I know that the end result is going to be amazing. So I'm like, yes, there you go, take it, do something great with it. So that's the mm. only instance that I will. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope you've um, found that useful, even if you, they're not your specific questions, hopefully that you can apply them into your photographic practice in the future as well. So that brings us almost to the end of this week's episode. I just want to give a shout out to everyone in the gold community over at GinaMilitia.com. It's fantastic to see such an incredibly dynamic, supportive community of photographers from all walks of life and also big, big welcome to all of the new members who have entered the community. It's fantastic to have you in there. We hope that you explore and check out all the courses that are available, all the Lightroom presets that are available to you for download as part of your membership. And also um, take advantage of the fact that you can get awesome photo critiques from Gina and participate in Gina's monthly live mastermind. And even if you can't make it to that particular mastermind, it will be recorded so that you can um, view it at your leisure. And you can also view the archive of all of the masterminds as well, not to mention all of the fantastic tutorials. If you're interested in joining the community, check it out at GinaMilitia.com and click on join the community. Uh, in the meantime, apart from your website, Gina, where can we find you online? So Gina, at Gina Militia on Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest, and you can also find me on YouTube, lots of Lightroom and Photoshop videos there at Gina Militia on YouTube. You, Val? Fantastic. You can find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Instagram and Twitter and also on Facebook. Feel free to connect with me there and I'm also inside the Gold Community Facebook group as well um, and it's great to connect with all of you guys in there. So thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.